Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f we want. Welcome back to the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. We're your host, Ben. I'm Charles. And you got Mike Fell. Guys, we have someone very, very special in the house today, as always. Always cool people. Guys, good friend of mine, um, founder of 5A Label, Mr. Rock's Music Group, a.k.a. MRMG, a musical genius. He's not looking at me, but it's okay. <laughs> He's texting it up. Um, yeah, this guy just worked with tons of artists. Um uh, uh, artist development to just uh, if you guys heard the Go Bango track, I mean, he kind of co produced that thing. Guys, we have Peter Hong, Mr. Rocks is in the house. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> What's up, Peter? Everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up, man? So, um, yeah, dude, Movement in the Shadows is what we call this thing. I was, I was telling you a little bit earlier. Uh, it's the behind the hustle, behind the, the social media veil. This is the story that people don't get to see off of uh yeah probably off of your instagram um yeah man just kind of want to get into some of your your history of like what what you do and uh how it all started man what's up dude give us the origin story where where, where'd you grow up where you um man ben uh you already know so well but it's the 818 Uh, 818 it's the valley the great 18 yes sir so i'm a technically i'm a valley kid which literally means LAUSD in good neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah. And every 80s John Hughes movie you could think of. But yep, from the Valley. Uh, was definitely raised there at Granada Hills High School. When I was in high school, I met a young man named Ben Chung. He was uh, <laughs> the flyest of them all. So yeah, man, I go back in the day with Ben in the 818, Pacoima. And um, yeah, man, so I'm just glad to be here, guys. Definitely hey. a fan of the Kinjas and... All their work, yeah, man. And we are a fan yeah, of Yeah, we got you, Justin cooking in the background, cooking up some hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, yeah, so welcome to the pod, dude. Um, dude, it's really dope. Yeah, we, you and I have a lot of history. Um, yeah, we kind of grew up in the same neighborhood. And um, it's been dope to see uh, how you've come up with music in, like, it's always been in you. And I always knew that you were going to um, do something big with it, man. And so when, when, I, when I stumbled upon you in the later years of life i think what well, we ran into each other like in 2008 ish yeah when we had just finished uh abdc World. um yeah. and then uh you were starting to like really like bubble up with the music stuff and then you Word. were doing some stuff with at the time you had a a mind ninja clothing line. yeah yeah you know you I like, had my ninja yeah i love that band. <laughs> that, was, that was this guy yeah, there's a time and place for everything yeah, yeah. yeah. that <laughs> was the time place for that was 2007 to like 2010 yeah i love man. it man yeah. and then you're working with beat freaks so you're yeah. always kind of just in in like the realm of dance and no music no and all yeah that. bless you charlie oh, i yeah. sneeze i'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, man, um, I've always been a fan of dance. So um, back in those days, like um, having that brand, you know, and really uh, connecting with like the fans of like the first season of ABDC, that was like a, a big dance moment, I think, you know, resurgence. And so, yeah, I've just been a fan ever since. So, you know, started going to a lot of the world of dances and, you know, um, just different dance events. And yeah, man, so definitely got pulled into that like that. That's what's up, man. Um, so how, at what point did you feel like, uh, music in terms of, I mean, I feel like 
any sort of art that uh, we get into as kids, either mm. our parents forced us into it, right? You know, whether it be music, and oftentimes right. it is music. Right. Um, what was your relationship like with music as a kid? Did you uh, was it something your parents kind of made you do that you stuck with, or? I mean, to be honest, it wasn't like my parents did anything really. Actually, they weren't really for it, you know. I'm like the third child, so you know what that means. Like, they always try hardest with the first child. By the second <laughs> child, they really try it. And the third child, they're like, oh, we already tried the first two. I don't think it's going to happen on the third. So, like, um, man, it was really just myself, man. You know, like a lot of musicians, I kind of I grew up in the church. But, you know it wasn't like the church. It was more like the Korean church, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, like growing up, didn't have a lot of music around me. So I had to like really fish it out on my own. So thank God for having, um, two older sisters uh, who introduced me to a lot of cool music at a young age. Yeah. That was probably pivotal. You know, I think, um, you know, a lot of, we'll get into this later, but I think a lot of people complain like, you know, why Asians are, you know, have it, done it in music in the, you know, in the U.S. and whatnot. And I really believe it has to do with our upbringing and how sensitive we are at a young age to what kind of music we're exposed to, right. you know. When you have, like, Nile Rodgers, you know, listening to, like, um, you know, Thelonious Monk and Coltrane at the age of nine, like, he talks about that in his interviews, you know. And so with me, like, you know, I didn't really have anything. My parents really just gave me Korean radio growing up, you know. But <laughs> I learned music in the church a little bit. And then pretty much on my own at school, you know, um, I was really inquisitive, uh, you know, my first musical instrument was an upright bass in junior high in ninth grade. Or, I'm sorry, yeah, in uh, seventh grade. And, you know, from then on, I learned to play piano on my own, guitar, and I kind of took that and kind of rolled with that for a while. And then, yeah, all throughout high school, you know, I was trying, I was writing records or writing songs in my in my bedroom. And this was like the, you know, the mid to late 90s. So, Ben, you, you know what the technology was back then. Yeah. You know, you either had turntables and you had like a sampler, like an MPC yep. or an ASR10 and 32 megabytes. That's all we had back then. And you really had to make something with that, you know. So, if, you know, if a lot of people don't know what that means. Like, you know, you know, to start a music back then, you need a certain amount of equipment that wasn't available with computers, you know. And so, you know, we were really limited. But, um, you know, I was really interested in all those things, you know. And I, was, I, I really asked myself, like, how does it work? Yeah. How does it make it happen? So I, diving deeper as a kid... You know, and just trying to find out as much knowledge as I can. Like, yeah, I was hanging out, like, at guitar centers, like, local music shops. Um, back in the day, during those times, we had, like, Barnes & Nobles and Borders. Barnes oh, & yeah. Nobles still around. I just went Book to stores. one. Oh, shoot, my bad. But uh, <laughs> I used to yeah. go it's in. the only and, one left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go in and just, like, just raid the magazine shelves. Because yeah. that was, like, free, you know, not pre-internet, you know, free Sick. good internet, you know. Yeah. And so I would just learn that way on my own. And so it was, I was more of an obsession, man. You know, um, I was a big fan of, like, hip-hop and, and rap, you know, in the mid to late 90s when I was in high school. And so that pretty much inspired everything, mm. R&B and so New Jack Swing and all that. So, yeah, music caught me at an early age. And um, my personality is, like, it, it's hard for me to make a decision, but once I make a decision, I stick to it. Yeah. And so that's what I've stick to ever since uh, 1998. <laughs> that's dope, man. So it's cool. So your your journey with music was not forced by parents. It was just your genuine love for it. Um, and it seemed like you are a curious or were a curious kid to like 
make yourself learn yeah. a bunch of different instruments, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so at, so in, in learning all these different instruments, was it a plan for you to kind of like, I need to know these things because if I want to be world famous producer, I need to know <laughs> everything? Or was it just because it was fun and you were just I mean, it? it's like, you know, I at an early age, I, I wanted to write records. I wanted to write songs and I wanted to like put it together. You know, I didn't really know what the word producer meant until, like, you know, when I was, like, 16 or 18. But when I was, like, 10 or 12, like, I would take everyone's Casio keyboard and try to, like, you know, resequence stuff on it, you know, and try to do stuff. And so, yeah, at a young age, I wanted to learn how to play the drums because I want to learn how that fits in the context of my, my big goal mm-hmm. of, like, creating a song. So I would learn bass, and I would learn um, piano and guitar. And, you know, at an early age like that, you kind of just know that, oh, if you learn music, you can learn, you can master all these things. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, man. So, uh, you know, throughout high school, you know, you know, just, you know, DJ'd, um, DJ'd parties, uh, you know, had an MPC and started like putting songs together. Um, you know, had, uh, got my first keyboard in 98, like a Korg Trinity V3, which was a, a really expensive keyboard. Actually, I take that back. My, my mom helped me purchase that keyboard, you know, mm. and uh, yeah, that really started everything. That was a $3,000 keyboard that I, I wanted to sequence. You know, this is, this is like 99 prices, yeah. bro, man. Yeah, this is like money. not, yeah. yeah. And so with that, um, she helped me um, get the keyboard, and that pretty much started my home studio. That's you know, tight. Yeah, That's man. Sick. Yeah. So, so in your home studio, you were like making original music. Yeah, man. I, you know, in '98. I mean, I keep on saying that a lot that year, but man, we didn't. Uh, tape recording was still like, you know, the the way to go. Yeah. The way how things sound. Like Pro Tools was there. Um, it just wasn't accessible in the way that it was. But like, you know, a lot of a lot of people were building home studios back then. So like, you know, I took apart like my HP computer that my parents had bought me like in '97. You know, souped it up with like a SCSI, you know, hard drive, which Max oh. had it back then. So like having like an eight gig hard drive back then was the ish, you know. <laughs> and so I, I bought like you know uh, my mixer, um, like a little audio card, and I just set myself up and I, and I went, you know. And so I set that up, um, you know, in my apartment at UCLA, and I just started recording anybody and everybody. That's dope. I, I had a band. Hey. But like, um, I put that together. What was your band called? It was called Homestyle. Hey, and, Homestyle. Yeah, yeah and then uh, yeah, and so it was like a, a live hip hop band. Okay. So as like a, an 18 year old keyboard player, you know, I'm learning, relearning music all over again because that's what really happens when you get older at right. that age. It's like maybe someone I don't know if I can make an analogy, but someone dances until they're 18. And then you go to a college or something, and they, they're told, like, oh, you don't know how to dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, break it apart and put it back together in your own way again, you know, mm-hmm. which really is. But, um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, so uh, going from there, um, just recorded anyone who I could, you know. There's a lot of rappers, you know, at that time yeah. uh, at UCLA. And so, yeah, I just set up shop in um, uh you know, in the apartment, and thirty dollars an hour, you'll get yourself a record. <laughs> Dang! So you, you be like you're literally a homegrown studio. Yeah, and man. Like everybody that you worked with was kind of through just connections Friends, that you made. Connections, yeah. At school at UCLA. This is before social media. There's no Instagram. Yeah, man. To... Like uh, my band. You know, when yeah. we would do shows, and you know, at that time, you got to understand. I know some of the younger people that may not understand, but. You know, we didn't even, um, this was before MySpace, too. Yeah. So, like, we were, like, playing, like, you had to hit the Sunset Strip if you wanted to find it, 
be noticed by a label or an A&R. Mm-hmm. So we were playing, you know, shows on the, on the Strip, Hollywood, everywhere we could, you know, opening for, like, you know, back then it was like, you know, if you had a band and you're opening for somebody bigger, there were certain production companies that made you sell tickets. I don't right. know if something that's similar in the dance community, but so we would have to sell tickets. If we didn't sell tickets to our friends, we would go under. Mm-hmm. But it was an opportunity to open for, like, a bigger artist and whatnot, you know, and so we would do that all the time. And it was a grind. And so I, um, that's where I really got to like really learn my production and my mixing skills um, with my band. Because that's the story of every producer or, or engineer. How did you get into this? Yeah. I had a band. And you were the one guy in the band that decides how to do this. It's like you have a Kinjas podcast. Why? Because a couple of guys in the whole crew decides to have a podcast. Yeah. And that's what yeah. just happened. So, yeah. That's dope, man. Um, Did you have, like, the support of your parents in all your music endeavors? You know, it's really funny because I think what they thought, I guess, you know, um, you know, when they got me that keyboard, it was like maybe they looked at it as like a graduation present, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, work hard, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like it was it was a trifling time because, uh, you know, I was fighting my parents a lot because I didn't go to the four year university. Mm. So upon graduating, I went to a JC for two years. Shout out to Costco Wholesale. I worked at Costco Wholesale for two and a half years during <laughs> those times. Yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, yeah, man. And so I grinded. So I was like, yeah, I had like three jobs then. And so my parents were like, why are you, you know, buying, you know, stuff? But they weren't giving me the money. I was working at Costco just so I could build a studio. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I wanted it all at that time. You know, I yeah. wanted to own everything. I wanted to um, make everything. I knew the gear that, you know, required to give you a certain sound. So I like... Yeah, man, I was working at Costco, um, you know, trying to yeah. build my first studio. So that was it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's dope, man. So um, did you have a, uh, a a sort of a mentor or anybody that was kind of coaching you to how to man. do any of this stuff? Or was this all just on the fly, school of hard knocks, you figure it out yourself? Um, you know, there's like different areas like that, you know, of the music industry or entertainment industry that have like different mentors in, whether it's for like music specifically or engineering specifically or industry related and like in management or whatnot. But for me, it's kind of ironic. Uh, this gentleman's having a concert right now as we uh, speak, but uh, um, there's a gentleman named Zachary Hahn who I met when I was 18. And this was like, have you seen the movie Whiplash? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yep. That's him. What? That is him. Without the violence and the throwing of the symbols and yeah. chairs and punching and all that. Yeah. Screwing each other like without without all the malice in that yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> but that was really him. It was really it was like I met this guy who was, you know, uh, a Korean American um from Korea who went to Berkeley to study music for like eight years and got his masters. Um uh, from Berkeley and in New York in the Jazz Conservatory. And, uh, you know, when I first met him when I was 18 and 98, you know, I thought I was cool because I was working, I was building my studio and all that. And he literally just told me, you are not a musician. Well, mm. why, do you, why are you saying one? Because mm-hmm. why? Oh, play this for me. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four. You can't play that? What's the third note of the third inversion of E minor 7 flat 5? Mm-hmm. You know, and can you, can you, t- if I play the first note and if I tell you the, what the, what the um, you know, um, what the, what the distance is, can you tell me what the second note is? Mm-hmm. So he was just like all over me. He's like, don't even say you're a musician. And I wow. was like shocked and broken and crying. Went back to my studio. But, you know, it took, it took 
years later to understand what he was really talking about. Mm. You know, still to this day, there's a lot of things that I, I finally realized. But, um, you know, he really broke me. And what needed, to, if you want to be great, I think you have to be broken several times. And mm-hmm. he really challenged me because, like, when I was at that age, you know, I thought I knew a lot. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, I was, you know, yeah, there were things that I, I had things that are going, going for me. Like, I made stuff for myself. You know, I could really say that. But, when he really told me, and I played this for him, and I played this for him, and um, this is my band and all that, he was like, you guys are terrible, you guys suck. Wow. You guys need to, like, learn your craft, and, you know, like, you know. And so with that, it was either, you know, fight or flight, right? Yeah. 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 It was a real decision. And so I was, like, yeah, in the practice rooms, and I was like, I don't even know if I could do this, man. Mm -hmm. It was, like, every – those four years of school were just, like, terrible. Yeah. And – but – I needed to go through it. And this is now me at the age of 38 saying this, you know. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about my playing the whole time. It was about getting better years. And that's what it yeah. was about. It wasn't even about, like, it was just my hearing, just my depth of level of perception was just not there. Mm. And so I needed to find ways to hone that. It was either do a piano playing, sight reading, arrangement, music. But at the end of the day, listening to music, and developing the right taste. Yeah. And that's what it is. That's what it was. And so I feel blessed because, like, I feel like with the taste that was introduced to me at that time of, like, certain, you know, music and certain artists, like, I felt like I had that on point, mm-hmm. you know. And I still this day, you know, we're in the industry based on taste. You know, I could, you know, make a record for somebody. If, oh, it's not the right taste, mm-hmm. you know. And so at the end of the day, it's... You know, um, that's what it's all about. So, yeah, yeah, man. I want to backtrack a little bit because, I mean, you're talking about essentially somebody who you looked up to that was a genius in the realm that you're trying to get into Mm. pretty much just thrashed you, right? Right, yeah. Saying you you should never call yourself a musician. You suck, basically. Yeah, I I mean, it wasn't like, you know, like, you know, super vulgar, but, you know, but that that was being real as a man, like hearing that, you know, that's the message you're trying to get across. And the thing is with that is that, um, you know, as somebody who is aspiring to be anything, whether it's a musician or a dancer or whatever, if somebody who you look up to um, comes at you in a way where uh, it's at the very least discouraging, right, you could give up. You know, and you could just kind of throw in the towel and like, dang, maybe I'm not cut out for this and then just go someplace else. Um, But for whatever reason, you stuck with it. And I I know you said that whenever you make a decision, you stick by that. But even with that, um, that level of grit and uh, determination to um, actually follow through with whatever that decision was in the first place. That's not an easy thing to do. And um, it's probably more of a common tale where people give up. You know what I mean? Because. Um, whether it's an artistic endeavor or whether it's something like school. I mean, people don't, they have, they, it, it's not easy to finish. You know what I'm saying? Where do you think you got that um, mentality from or that, yeah, that level of grit to finish no matter what? Man, I think it just has to do with our generation, Ben. Like, I think we're very similar, right? You have two older sisters? I have an older sister. Older sister. I have two older sisters. You have two older sisters. So, and I got a younger brother. But what it is is like we're still connected to like Gen X a little bit. Mm. I feel like. Yeah. You know, we come from an era where like you couldn't look it up on Wikipedia. You know, uh, we come from an era where we couldn't hit save that much. I mean, older people will say, "Well, you're part of that generation," but really, it's not like today. And I think what it is is that um, 
it's just hard, the, the hard work ethic, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what it just takes. I just think, like, you know, it surprises me that some people, you know, talk about how they want a career in the music and they want to work hard to do it, but they're not willing to give anything for it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I really think what it is, it's like, for me, it was easy because, like, I know there's an L.A. Times uh, writer who made this beautiful quote. I don't have it in front of me, but it kind of goes along to some things like how musicians and, and writers are some of the most courageous people because they deal with the most rejection in one year than most people do in their lifetimes. And this goes to all dancers, creatives. You know, it does for, uh, you know, we live in an industry of rejection. You know, like whether yeah. uh, you guys made a choreo. Did they like it? No. Okay, back to the drawing board. You know, for me, it's very simple. It's like get a meeting with the client, um, the, get the client in the studio, get the client sounding good, get the label liking the song, and then putting the song out, getting the backing from the label, and then public perception. That's mm-hmm. like the home run that, that everyone tries to go for, yeah. you know? So each one of those levels is like a level of, you know, you know, it, it, you either stop there or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I just think what, I just feel like I know what it's like to have, uh, what it's like to kind of survive in this industry, man. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I just think like through a lot of the mentorship that I had to certain people mm-hmm. and hearing their stories, like, you know, yeah, it's like, I just got to thank my fam, though, I guess, just seeing how my parents were growing up, my sisters, you know, yeah. hustling hard. It's like, it's kind of like no choice, you know? Was it, uh, was your entire sort of uh, beginnings of you figuring out um, from kind of doing like a makeshift studio to uh, formulating your band, um, did you kind of do that on your own or did you have a, a team or, or like a crew and squad that you always rolled no, with? No, I think it was just my, my own personal musical journey, you know. It's really simple, you know. Graduate from high school, you know, you, it's always that time of finding, you know, more musical intellect, you know, people go off to college, listen to new bands. We know how that is. It still happens yeah. today. Um, but for me, it was really simple, you know. I just, you know, went to college, uh, found, you know, uh, something that I really enjoyed, and then, you know, I worked in politics for about four years after I graduated. Wow. You know, okay. I didn't, I was doing the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I was in my band uh, performing and doing what I could, but I also had a day job slash night job working as a legislative aide for a California State Assembly member. And so I was doing that because I wanted to, I had to, you know, um, you know, have a job for myself and to take mm-hmm. care of myself. But, it, it, you know, that was around like 2004-ish and 5-ish. And um, I just, I was like, no, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Something feels missing. Mm. So good old Pigeon John gives me a call. Um, he's, a, he's a rap artist. Um, and he, he asked me if I wanted to tour like a few hundred days out of the year. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And so, boom, I just left. And I haven't had a boss ever since. Whoa. Yeah, so that was 2005. Yeah, mm-hmm. so since then, you know, you know that, you know, between 2005 and 2010, I hit the road. So I went from like, you know, musician, music producer, mixing engineer to MD keyboardist mm-hmm. per se. I was playing with the, um, I was producing a group at the time called they were called uh, At Last, but they changed their name to Tatum Jones. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, you know, I was doing that at the time, but then uh, I decided to hit the road, and you know, it was funny because it was like paying my dues all over again. Yeah. Because I was like, now I was like inserted into like you know, a touring musician, learning the ropes all over again, paying the dues. And so, you know, 
I, 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 wa- I did it though because like I wanted that experience and I wanted to, you know, um, to really do that. And so, yeah, I went from the studio to just touring for years. Um, got a chance to tour with FM, Far East Movement as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they, got, they took me, you know, all across Asia and that was really dope. And so, yeah, man, it was just uh, during that time I just got to see the world. Um, really got to see fan interaction and you know touring at you know at all at all levels you know mm-hmm. I didn't we didn't start I didn't start touring you know I started touring in a Chevy Tahoe and a trailer and a U-Haul trailer <laughs> you know chasing a large bus yeah you know as an opening <laughs> act you know and so yeah I guess you know looking back now everything's been a grind man yeah. I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that is but those years were tough I'm talking yeah. about two hundred dollars a week one suitcase. A show every day, seven dollar per diem. Not, but again, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, right? Mm. You know, and it's yeah. a different, it's a different life, and it's a different thing. But you know, so I started, I grinded that man. I went from making several thousand dollars a year, right? You know, like a good, a very good salary, to making two hundred bucks a week. Yeah, and my mom thought I was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, my dad probably knew I just had like a little midlife crisis. Before I get out of it, my mom yeah. thought I was stupid. So, uh, again, man, uh, it, it's it's so easy to look at things like your finances and be like, "Damn, man, I should be making more money if right. I if I were to be doing this with right. my life, I'd be making that money." But yeah. for whatever reason, I need to stick to this thing. Yeah. So, okay, I mean, you, you talk about paying your dues, and I think this is something that's very interesting. Um, interesting topic because uh you know even for us with kinjas i feel like you know out the gate you know the crew was established in 2010 um in 2015 was when we really like kind of started hitting just like yo let's let's make this a business and and build this brand and so we're only kind of three years out the gate and in like running in that uh in that realm and so we we talk about the 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 concept of paying dues all the time too right and um i think What's great about um, recognizing the need to pay your dues, it keeps you humble and it keeps your hunger level extremely high because you feel like there's no time to sleep. There's no time to stop, you know, and I think what that produces within you is just, uh, yeah, that kind of never give up sort of mentality. Right. Right. And so with you, like from being an opening act to getting a seven dollar per diem a day, you know, living off a couple hundred bucks. You know what I'm saying? Um, at what point did you kind of get sort of a, a break where you had an opportunity to actually collaborate with, mm-hmm. you know, legit artists to, um, you know, kind of making that a yeah, little man. bit better than your couple hundred dollar paycheck? No, but yeah. So that was really, you know, that was like around 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, I was still grinding. And I think it was until like I got off the road in 2007 where I actually came back and started and going, okay, I've been on the road for years. Now I know what's most important. You know what I'm saying? Like now I know what I want to do and how to do that. If it was only that easy though. <laughs> mm. I came back and I, you know, I, you know, I, I can't lie, I was grinding, man. To be a working, living, working, full-time music producer in LA is very tough. Um, but, you know, um, but I just stuck with it, you know, um, and, um, I moved here to downtown, set up here, and that's when, you know, I started really focusing more on music and, and records. And so, 
you know, I started doing a lot of Korean pop records for different uh, companies. And so with that, um, you know, it's, it gave me insight onto like, you know, what, what did I want to do coming back to LA off the road? You know, I did a clothing line. I, I, um, you know, I was working as a freelance, uh, uh, music producer and engineer, you know, as a writer and, you know, as a producer, like, what am I going to do now? And so, you know, after years of grinding again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, selling songs, you know, getting placements and whatnot, it, it still wasn't as fulfilling. And so that's what's made me make the jump to move to starting to do development mm-hmm. and start to make my own artists. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so a lot more fulfillment in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The lifespan of a record these days is just way too short, you right. know? Right. Yeah. So speaking of uh, developing your own thing, so 5A, 5A label. 5A label. MRMG, what is that? Um, it's basically everything that I've been doing up until now. I mean, I look into, look into this, the new companies that I've been developing into like just a culmination. But MRMG, we are a music group. Um, basically, I manage about 10 writers, and you know we service different clients and different labels into delivering them high-quality records from, the, from east to west. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we've been working on that for a while. Um, and that's basically our publishing side of our company. Um, you know, and so we have different writers that uh, basically serve the needs for different clients that we have. Yeah. What are some of the artists that you guys have worked with in Asia? Uh, we worked with Kahi, MIB. Um, uh, we just did a record for BAP. Uh, we were this artist named Kim Yeonjung. Um, we're working with Amber right now. Um, Amber Lou. Amber Lou, yeah. SM Entertainment, yeah. shout out. Um, yeah, and so we've been working on her stuff for a while. But also, um, yeah, different artists in Japan as well, Delmoyama, um, and, 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 a, and a few more. Um, Word. Yeah, man. That's what's up. So who are some of the local artists that you guys are working with? Yo, um, I don't know. There's a new group coming out of the Kinjas, man. Fire, bro. <laughs> fire. Straight fire, you know. Come um, on, man. Brian, okay, speak, let me just try to get more on topic, okay? Brian was here yesterday or two days ago. Brian Puspos. Brian Puspos, yeah. He's, a, he's, you know, he's just a homie, so yeah. I, it's like, it's not, you know, him and Benji come by, you know, it's like we don't really charge him anything. He just needed to record like a couple of vocals, mm-hmm. but again... Amazing dancer. Yeah. Uh, so it's great to work with him. Andrew Garcia. Yeah. You know, did a, a cover with Justin. So he comes by all the time. Um, there was a brief moment we were managing Terry, Karen Effects, yeah, for a while yeah. working with him. I know he does a lot of work with your guys. Yeah. Shout out Terry. Um, shout out to Edward Shin and uh, different people from uh, the music group. Holly back there for working on stuff for the Kinjas. Hey, so, yeah. Yep, yep. So, we, we appreciate doing uh, stuff for you guys. The World of Dance stuff was a pleasure to work on yeah. the video record. You love that one. Yeah, man. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we just had, who do we have here, Justin, earlier? God, what was his name? Mick Jenkins. Mick Jenkins, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he was here. And then we had uh, Mary Lambert was here last week. Yeah. She uh, sang Same Love for Macklemore. Yeah. A beautiful dope. spirit. Gosh, she is walking music. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know what's cool about this? You never know who walks through the door. Yeah. You'll just get an email. Oh, yo, my blah, blah, blah. Can we book a <laughs> session? That's Wait, we got Elroy there. playing on his chew toy yeah. over there. I was like, is that a, is that a clown? <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. clowns here? Definitely, man. 
Uh, uh, that's great, man. So, uh, so what are some of your guys' current projects? What's what's on uh, what's uh, on the plate for five right, right now? now? Um, we have two artists, uh, Justin Park and Demi Cow. Hey, shout um, out! Yeah, but right now, um, for the situation that may be, it is all Justin Park. We've been in Justin Park mode for the last two months, yeah. and we've been working with them for the last four years. And uh, so yeah, so basically, um, the development all started when um, we. Uh, we worked with uh, David Foster's company on this girl group uh, for this television show, and you know after that project ended, you know, was kind of fell in love with it. I was like, you know, I could do this, mm-hmm. and so we just we just made that plunge into starting development, and it's and it's been a crazy four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, grinding. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's dope seeing Justin, and Justin's literally here. He's he's working, he's cooking, playing with the dog, and probably going to go and record soon. But, I mean, it's been great to see uh, Justin's progress, even from uh, a young budding vocalist to, you know, like a young mover, right? You know, like yeah, learning to, how to find his his own uh, his own feet, you know, so to speak, on the dance floor. To, right, I man. mean, you know, when we were at the, you know, when we opened up the dojo, seeing him Yo, and Demi. Yo, shout out to Yeah, the literally dojo. there every day, taking every single class and seeing his... Uh, movement vocabulary develop. Yo, real talk. I mean, I have to say the the Kinjas Dojo has been an imperative part, I think, of the development here at 5A and for Justin, too. Yeah. I mean, I think Justin started right when the dojo opened. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's been a, a season of time, I believe, where he was there almost every day for a year. Yeah. And talking about a kid who... Um, now, mind you, you know, the Kinjas dance level, you know, it's, it's not the easiest sometimes, you know, master classes, you know, uh, guest appearance classes by, you know, so-and-so, and you guys have everybody on deck, but man, what a testament, man. He, he, I would see him come back and like take off his shirt and just, you know, twist it out and the <laughs> amount of sweat that that would come out you know and there have been times where you know we would you know we would write you know we would when we get into like development mode i remember this one season where we were like justin would wake up you know work out come to the studio um record and write the most go to the dojo and take three classes yeah you know whatever the combo was for a wednesday a thursday and then come back here and practice a set yeah and, you know, and, uh, man, those were the days, man, you know, where, you know, I would just see him, like, just struggle, you know, in a good way, though. Mm-hmm. Like, because some of these, I mean, man, just going into these classes where the movement is so advanced, you know, and um, shout out to JD. Um, hey, JD. Yeah. Um, man, I could talk, I could, I could talk about a whole podcast on the beginner's uh, dance class of, of yeah. what he did. But, man, you know, that guy, um, you know, I love, you know, I actually took his class one time. Just to see if I could. Uh, Hell yeah. Hey. I did, man. I when was my, that? That was a while back. Dang. Not going to happen again for a while. Made a mistake. <laughs> wore my Kobe's. They were like the. <laughs> yeah, you don't wear your fire kicks to a dance I, class, I wore bro. my Kobe's and it was like sticking to the ground. And I was like, man, I can't. I, I can't do that. But uh, yeah, but um, you know, I just think the, the groove and the understanding and comprehension of time that JD did had a lot to do with Justin's musicality. Yeah, that's dope. And so, you know, for what we struggle with on a daily is like, um, you ha- your mind has a musical rhythm that you follow when you sing. Mm-hmm. But, and then sometimes when you learn dance separately, you'll have your own dance rhythm. Yep. 
you know, I think combining those and figuring out how that can work together, you know, is like the biggest thing that we deal with a lot. Right. So in terms of performance or, you know, we, we definitely want to reach Michael's status. You know, Michael, Dave Isaac, one of my mentors was talking to me about uh, how Michael would write and dance at the same time because it was never an issue. Whoa. That's crazy. It was never an issue. So he would write, he would dance in the vocal booth, you know, making sure that, you know, it came out the way that he would do it live. That's and so I would guess that's our world and your world combined, I guess. It's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. for sure. Like, like, you know, a yeah. really crazy, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you're trying to master two, two art forms, like, I mean, vocally to right. movement, dancing, that's not easy to do. So when yeah. you have, you know, somebody like a Michael Jackson that can do both so well, that's crazy. Yeah. But at the end of yeah. the day, I still think it's one. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. we were recording a lot. You know, I was listening to your rhythms and like, you know, for someone like John Hoff, for example, you know, man, when I see him dance, it's like, man, his time is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you could just stop the beat and let it go for like four seconds, throw the beat back on, and he'll still be on, yeah, on it. You know, and that's that's, of course, all the kinjas, of course, man, <laughs> watching you guys perform. Now, I pay attention to these things and how you're counting, subdividing time, who's ahead, who's behind. Because, you know, that's like my world, you know, and mm-hmm. I love to see it translate during dance. And when I see you guys kill it, I'm just like blown away. Because hmm. I'm thinking like half of you guys should have been musicians, <laughs> <laughs> drummer, you know, what I'm saying yeah. whatnot, you know, and, um, you know, that's what I appreciate about you guys a lot. But, yeah, that's something that, you know, we go through, you know, trying to trying to balance that and trying to get, you know, because uh, a key thing for me in, in working with Justin is I really wanted to work with a rhythm based R&B vocalist mm-hmm. like that's just like. Usher, yeah, a JT, you know, and that really uses pocket to really exemplify their Mm -hmm. music. And so that was the goal for Justin. And, you know, obviously working dance with you guys and has been pretty tremendous. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's great, man. (coughs) Um, Again, like just seeing the progress of uh, how Justin's been growing um, and the work that he puts in, like it's it's dope to hear that you put in you know, that much time in the dance studio and then come to the recording studio and put us just as much time in, like, the recording booth, you know what I mean? And it's just, if you want to be good at both, is you got to double time, triple, quadruple time, you know what I mean? Especially when you're trying to develop uh, to be one of the greats, right? Right. So, yeah, man, I think it's really dope what you, what you guys are doing here. So, um, as far as, like, the music industry out here, I mean, it's a constantly changing world, right? right. Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier that uh, you guys do a lot of work with Asia, so you mm-hmm. guys have your sort of you know U.S. branch mm-hmm. to your bridge over in Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your views in terms of, um, I guess, like the future of where do you, where you see the music industry going, and uh, whether Asia kind of plays a big part in that or not? Yeah, I think uh, man, music's going global. It's becoming more accessible. And, you know, when you listen to a record, like, you know, how we would back in the day, we would, if someone had like a Tupac CD, we would be excited because we have the actual CD. And you put in this tape deck and it'll sound a million times better than the radio. Yeah. That was the experience back then. In 95, 96, that was the experience. I think today people just experience music differently. Mm. Because that was the only time that we could experience that. It was either listening to CD, going to a friend's house and watching cable TV, music videos Mm -hmm. because or you could catch them live yeah on the radio whatever's accessible so now today I think uh, people are experiencing music differently it's not just a song anymore you need to have more 
as you know where it's a visual it's a visual and a record you experience it differently mm-hmm. um you know i'd say a lot of people talk about the playlist generation you know that's been a big topic since like two, you know when all the you know the sp- streaming services went but you know one thing is for sure we're going to experience it in different ways and honestly man like you guys the kinjos man like why would i just listen to a regular song or something where i could hear the same song and watch you guys dance to it you know mm. what I'm saying? Because I have friends at my house, and we want to watch something cool on YouTube. So I could throw on, like, uh, like Humble. Mm. But I'll be like, no, we're going to watch the Kinja's performance of the Corey to that, you know? Yeah. You know, oh, at the game, you know? At the Warriors game. So it just becomes a little different how we experience it. So I think streaming and live streaming mm-hmm. is, like, the next step. Mm-hmm. I think because uh, we're working with a company called UpLive, and they do a lot of streaming. And so, like, you know, for example, like, we were talking about Justin's album release party. You know, we were thinking about doing an event or we were actually thinking about just doing it online. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so how people experience music differently. Right. So I think it's the whole streaming aspect of be- being right there with the artist in the same capacity. Because back then, um, we would listen to a CD. We would watch a music video. But they weren't really human to us. They were... Uh, a figure you right. know what I'm saying but now it's so good to be human with them they look like us more you know they're wearing the same thing they, they're they using the same camera as I am mm-hmm. and so there's more of a connection there and so as I've known for Justin's fans you know they really enjoy the streaming also music artists back then when we had a CD their collateral was just based on the CD and their music at that time mm-hmm. 2018 like I have we all know girls that love Cardi B not just because right. they love her music. They have nothing, <laughs> yeah. to, they don't even yeah. listen to her music, but they love her personality, her, personality, her yep. character, her, her beliefs and where she stands for. Yeah. And so, exactly. <laughs> you be just become a fan of the person now. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why Will Smith's uh, Instagram, or, um, social media is like ridiculous right now because we all love him. And we, yeah. and we love him. We love him as a freshman to Bel Air, but we love him as a person even more. Yeah. And so that's what's changing with music artists. You know, it's not only do you have to have a good record or you could sing, but, you know, now it's about, you know, um, your personality. Yeah, I think uh, we, we talk about a lot of social media related things in terms of uh, the importance of social media to uh, like a brand or a business to, um, yeah, like growing that audience. Like how does it how do you grow your, your social media following? And uh, you and I were talking about this the other night, too, in terms of. Um, you know, uh, how you guys want to kind of curate Justin's um, social media presence and Mm -hmm. like his journey and stuff. And you mentioned Will Smith. I think um, what's dope about Will Smith, I was listening to a podcast just the other day about how Will Smith started his Instagram and that he had this whole social media team that was planning like this whole launch and like how his voice was going to be and what sorts of content he was going to put out there. So they were like months and months of planning. And then he went out on his... Instagram and then apparently his first IG story was him just filming his nipple and that was not a part of the social media plan at all so they were like you know kind of like well we were planning months and months and months and then here you are filming your nipple and that thing just blew up and then <laughs> and then he just kept on doing things I was like I just want to be me right and uh just kind of show what I think is funny and what I think right. is inspiring and then it works so well. So all right. to say that um, 
authenticity and who you really are as a person mm -hmm. makes you one relatable and you know like people like wow he's a human being just like me he's goofy and whatever and he's also really talented and like he cares about stuff you know what i mean right. so i think yeah in in this day and age now um one people hate anything that's fake um and and when you show yourself as a real person and you have a talent, mm -hmm. um, people want to support the talent right. even more, right? Yeah. So I love that sort of approach. And I think that comes from the era that we grew up in, the 80s mm -hmm. and 90s, because we didn't come up in an era where there was social media celebrities, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, like, right. So when we were introduced to all this stuff, we didn't even know how to utilize it, right. let alone did we think that our the success of our businesses and brands would be mm -hmm. dependent on how relevant you are mm. on social media marketing and stuff. Mm. So it's cool, man. Like, I love your your mentality of keeping those roots of how we grew up in, like, keeping things real, mm. but then utilizing the new media platforms to um, to speak that sort of a real, authentic personality. Right, right. That's really dope, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so right now, would you say uh, with your guys' uh, endeavors with uh, 5A, the artists that you collab with, um, what's your mentality towards artistry and uh, building that side while uh, making sure that you keep the lights on and food on the table? So as as a businessman, as like an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. do you, how have you developed, um, yeah, I guess the artistry side matching with business? Um, you know, uh, yeah, if we could all answer that question, um, that would be very, it's a very challenging uh, a balance to maintain, but um, you know I think it's really important, um, you know, who you work with and understanding who you work with. I mean, everyone here at Five A, we're all like on the same page, and that's what's most important. You know, um, Justin and I rarely ever have arguments or like big decisions that we fight over in, in songs because. We see eye to eye on everything. Mm -hmm. We all have the we have the kind of like the same goal, and my original um, goal for Justin was to develop him as a writer. Um, the reason why is he was interested in it. He was great at it, and that's something no one could take away from you. Mm -hmm. It's very important in the music industry and as an artist. It's like a choreographer who choreographs. Right. You know, it's like you're a little bit more valuable than just a dancer. Right. And so um, we, that was the main focus for Justin's development. You know, um, I remember just if I could remember clearly, I remember one time there was one day we were like grinding, working hard. And then, you know, Justin was like, you know, rapping for fun. He was he was doing his thing. And I was like, you know, just go in the booth and do that. But freestyle a melody. Mm. And then I press record and that's when it happened. That's when I already knew. Since that day, um, man, you know, we've been just has, you know, the way he freestyles his melody over, over the records and puts his lyrics together, this kid now can write like two records a day. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking like, we're talking about competitive records that we could send to our publishers, you right, know. Right. And so, um, man, so he's really, really talented. Great ear, great feel, born in the wrong decade <laughs> because he loves to sing. Yeah. And apparently, according to the iTunes Top 10, you know, singing... The style of R&B singing is not as popular today mm -hmm. as it is, you know. And so we had to make a decision. Do we go and compete with a genre or a type of music that necessarily exists because of a certain style or a trend? 
and compete with those guys or do we go with what we want to do? Do we create our own lane? Yeah. And I pretty much left it up to, up to Justin, you know, you know what he wanted to do. And that seemed like the lane that he wanted to go in. So that's what the lane we're going for. You know, the album that we're coming out. So, you know, the first album for his first album, we weren't trying to like go for like the, the Hollywood pop album. You know what I'm saying? You know, you can go for that and, you know, learn through the past. Like, yeah, if that comes out as your first album, you make it, you feel it. No, 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 no. We're living in an era where people want to hear content and see content and know who you are. So this album basically is a 14-record album, but it's a testament to the development that, you know, he has as a writer. And so um, with it, I just wanted to develop an album artist and to create a body of work that we could present in front of people and just take it to the next level after that. So as far as, like, yeah, artistry and trying to do stuff, like, I feel like our music group, we really just create and put out what we enjoy, mm -hmm. you know? And it could be pop. It could be simple. It could be catchy. Or it could be, you know, you know, different, you know? But we usually follow what we like. You know, I'm a writer myself, you know? And I, I come from the production world in the sense. So all those years of grinding have taught me, like, you know, you're not going to win working with an artist that doesn't want to do what they want to do. Hands down. Mm -hmm. Right, Justin? So it's, it's really my job to see, yeah, like Justin as an example, as an artist, seeing the qualities that are strong and weak in him. Same thing you guys would do when you develop, you know, your dancers. Figuring out where to excel and to move from there. And then, yeah, helping to develop that right taste. Mm. That's the most important. Yeah. And so, yeah, man. Right taste. I it is, it. I man. It. I mean, yeah, that's what it has to be in order for it to feel... Uh, good to yourself because I feel like good art comes from a place of you expressing yourself from who you truly are right, right yeah so yeah man I love that um we want to do a little bit of a lightning round with okay. you okay we're just gonna fire off fire yeah. off questions okay and off the top of your head man cool. you just gotta gotta just go okay so I, one word answers you don't have to. Okay. Just, you know, off the top this of your head. has got to be good answers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just have to be amazing answers. I'm no, just kidding. Uh, in three, two, one, lightning round, what is your favorite music genre? Um, Hip-hop. Hip-hop. Hip-hop and R&B. Beautiful. Who is your favorite producer? Right now or just of all time? Right now. Right now, Harvey Mason Jr. All time. Well, how about all time? Dif dif depends because the word producer sometimes gets thrown around so loosely. Mm. If we're talking about rap, it's different. If we're talking about Quincy, it's different. Mm. So, like, you know, what kind of producer? Like, uh, let's say, let's say, rap producer. Rap. I would say modern era, post '95, and rap and pop. I would have to say Timbaland. Ooh. Yeah, that's my favorite. Favorite R&B artist. Favorite R&B artist. Oh my god. Um, and this is just because you talked about R&B and it got me excited. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I can't. It's tough, man. But I would say Justin Timberlake, hey. Usher. Hey. Usher is probably right there. Hell, yeah. Because he's had that career. And I guess you guys can respect him as a mover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, but definitely love Neo, who you guys, I'm sure, know yeah, really well. Neo's, Great writer. Neo's sick. Killing it yeah, still. Man. Yeah, So, uh yeah, Neil's written so many songs for other people. You guys know, yeah. He he started as a writer too, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, man. that's why I told a few people like, yo, we need to get in front of Neo. You know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, like, uh, yeah. So yeah, great, great, great vocalist, great writer, man. Greatest rapper of all time. Hard one, hard one. 
Um, just like just just how you said it, greatest rapper of all time. Yeah, just how oh. I said it. First one that comes to mind. Pac. 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 Sick. Sick. Because like the thing is, you said greatest rapper of all time. So I want to say who's the is it the greatest artist of all time? The greatest one of the greatest rap record writers of all time, or just someone that just could give you 16 bars of like, uh. Give us all those answers. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Pac just had, you know, you know, Pac's rhythm was sick, but it didn't even matter. He was one of those artists where you can just like, yo, I'm going to stop the record and just talk what I wanted to say, and you felt convicted from it. Yeah. You know, I get what people say when you listen to older records. Oh, they record the tape so it doesn't sound as tight and whatnot, or it's not lit and close. No, Pac really did it for me as an artist because he embodied everything. Yeah. Come on, let's get to Poetic Justice Ooh-hoo. as an actor before. And I, I think he was a, he started as a dancer for Digital Underground. Yeah. With Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. yeah. So he started as a background dancer, you know? So, you know? And so I guess, yeah. Um, Biggie, lyrically. Lyrically, his syntax, um, you know, he really killed it for me. Um, You know, my era, though, I'm a big fan of, like, you know, and where I came up with my band, Alternative Hip Hop, from the late 90s, early 2000s, but The Far Side, um, you know, 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 Tribe Called Quest, Mm -hmm. um, Black Star, Mm -hmm. Talib Kweli, Most Def, Common, Mm -hmm. right there still. Early Kanye West, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that stuff is great. But, um, you know, there's, even with them, those artists, too, there's, like, specifics with them in, you know. I would say from that camp, most, most F is, like, yeah. he can freestyle. And he, he didn't just freestyle just, like, or oh, you're Sinbei now. Yeah. But he didn't just freestyle, like, you know, like, punchline as it is today, like, you know. But he would freestyle with a groove, um, man, and so... Uh, can't deny the roots is one of the best yeah. hip hop bands ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about like before phrenology, I'm talking about like, you know, things fall apart, um, you know, but, and we haven't gotten even to talk about LA and California. And so we can't even dissect that. Cause that's like Dre. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, that's a different conversation. So man, but being born and raised in LA, come on, we have to go with Pac. <laughs> Pac, Pac is it. Pac is the yeah, epitome. Music history, right? Hey, a lot yeah. of people would agree. A yeah, lot of people man, would yeah. agree. Uh, if you were a b-boy, what's your b-boy name? <laughs> uh, uh, man, Puma 13. Puma 13. That's good. I don't know. I, I, wasn't, I was expecting uh, like Mr. Top Rocks or something Mr. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. Uh, uh, dream collab. Dream collab? I mean, so this is a very cheesy answer but you know like i'm in this king stage in life where it's not about me so the collab would have to be with my artist so the dream collab justin if he's here oh he's not here he He disappeared but i would say i don't know man i would have to really think about that but justin and like ty dollar sign would be really dope yeah that's that's the home run for us because we really like his music yeah it crosses over yeah man uh, what's a trend that should never come back? <sighs> like the big Jinko jeans. <laughs> like, like I'm talking about when, like, Dang. when, like, you had baggy jeans, Taking but like back. you weren't that dope. You had had the flare <laughs> jeans. 
yeah and all of that and um man i would say the jeans don't need to be that baggy ever again i agree i yeah. agree when you're like, yeah. just dragging on the floor just yeah. dirty just picking up you dirty. know you yeah. staple your pants back in the yeah. day you just get a stapler you ask yeah. your teacher for a stapler because yeah. your pants are sagging yeah it's like oh man i want you know those are those anchor blue jeans back then oh yeah. anchor yeah. blue yeah. i shopped there the the beyond baggy post. jeans yeah man those don't need to come back it's <laughs> amazing amazing um if you were to have anything that you regret in life, what would be your biggest regret? Man, that's a tough one. I think about that often. Mm. Um, wow, I'm about to get deep with it. More sense of urgency at times where it was needed. Mm. And I could that's, wow. that's only yeah. in hindsight I can say that. But there was a time where you know, you know, where I felt, I look back now, I was like, man, the way I'm working right now, I should have worked this hard at, you know, at 24. Mm -hmm. I should have worked this hard at 26, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Like, knowing what I know now. But then that's hindsight again. Yeah. So we can always say, you know, that's why right now I'm like, you know, with this album coming out and just the future, like, I'm really keen on that too, if, I'm, if I have that sense of urgency. And you know what that means, you know, just attention to detail and everything that you're doing, priority yeah. in life. And, um, you know, I think that we could all say this, you know, say that, but that, I would say that's number one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, less of more of. So something that you feel or you would wish that people did less of and then something that you wish people would do more of. What would that be? Less talking about how something dope is and just more of just putting it out there. Sick. Yeah. Um, less talk, more action. Yeah. It's good. Good. Um, with that, man, we uh, your golden rule, man. Like, what is uh, Peter Hong's golden rule of life? Your mantra, oh, what you live um, by. We love, we live, we balance, we forgive, and repeat. Wow, wow. that's it. Short and sweet. <laughs> that's the cycle. I'm trying fire. To, you know, wow, you know I'm trying to get that tatted soon. Oh, I got to hit up your uh, boy Andy tattoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, Andy. yeah, man. Yeah. But um, that's one of mine. And then um, the other one since uh, starting the label is, uh, you know, people could clown in it because, you know, it's life. You know, our industry is not all about music, but just have faith. Good music will prevail. Mm, so, dope. again, let's talk about the music. You know, just show people, you know, yeah. and um, with that attitude has gotten us into some really good cold calls and cold emails, which leads up to Justin's album coming out. Mm -hmm. um, got a lot of a lot of dope stuff coming out. We got a couple of records right now with uh, the Wavies, the Wild Cards, who work with Harvey Mason Jr. Shout out to them, um, you know, and then shout out to Justin on this on this project, man. The kid works hard and. 5A would probably not be where we are without his hard work. Yeah. You know, it's like um, so many times, you know, you hear stories of like, just like, oh, like, oh, we put so much into this artist, you know, nothing, nothing ever came out. But, you know, but every day is a challenge for me because I got to put something on his plate because he's mm -hmm. hungry. Mm -hmm. Kid wants it. You know, when you see a kid work that hard, it's ridiculous. So we really tried hard to, um, to develop him the right way possible, try to get the best people in front of him, a.k.a. the Kinjas, shout out. Um, you know, and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the hard work, the dedication, you know, is a testament. So, you know, 
you know, we put a lot of hard work into this album, but I'm ready to just move on to when this album is done. When I deliver this stuff Friday, we're moving on to the next. You know, we're um, we got a tour in December with Amber Lou, which I, I, I have the privilege of MDing, which also means I got to mix 17 songs for the tour for her. Top of Justin's, you know, and so we have the album coming out and the tour right after. And so we got um, an album release party on December 13th. More details to come, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, um, it's just been a blessing. And so I hope with this album, it's like our first body of work that 5A can show. Yeah. And so with it, you know, we you know, we want to fly. So, yeah, man. That's dope, man. Yeah, man. Love it, love Four it. Four years in the concrete box. That's what Whoa. it is. Yeah, that's what it is. How can people follow the journey? Where, where, where can um, you got to follow, follow 5A Label on Instagram. You can follow Justin Park Official on Instagram. And yeah, you could follow those and you're going to see myself, uh, Mr. Rocks, uh, M-I-S-T-R, the letter X and then Rocks. And yeah, and so, but you know, I mean, we're not all about the flashiness at 5A. I think you guys already know that. Yeah. We, you know, we, we roll with a small crew. Um, we developed a team for specific reasons, you mm -hmm. know. Um, Edward, our other producer, engineer, he has the patience of, what has the most patience? Uh, a Kinja? Phil Garvin. <laughs> a Phil Garvin. <laughs> Phil Garvin. <laughs> Yo, so then everyone needs a Phil Garvin in yeah, their crew then. That Phil yeah, Garvin so Phil that Garvin. Phil Garvin patience is the guy that sits in front of the computer that can sit with any artist and yeah. take takes yeah. and takes and takes who can sit there and edit the tedious things. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's probably one of our backbone of our crew, you know? And then, you know, we have... You know, it's funny because, you know, sometimes, like, I'm sure it's like this with the Kinjas. It's like one motto is, like, you know, well, how do you stay successful in the entertainment industry? And um, I think it's what you guys embody. Surround yourself with good, positive people always moving forward. doesn't mm -hmm. matter how fast as long as you're moving forward together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's what I wanted to create for 5A. Because at the end of the day, I could end this with this. Like, I don't know if you guys feel this way with dance, but music shows, you know, I'm one with music my whole life. How do you deal with that? Seriously, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Into your career, into making a solid living, and doing what you love every day. Because I don't think I could do anything else. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you guys can see me doing anything else, but I, I really, I don't know what I'll be doing if I wasn't doing this right now. And the sad thing is, is um, not the sad thing, but uh, the reality is, is like, when you get to a certain age, like you realize, yeah, that's the one thing that I'm good at. I put all my effort and energy creating these skills, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so you really got to figure out how to, you know, really be successful with that. Yeah. And so with 5A and everything, I, again, I still consider it a grind. I think the, the lesson of today's podcast is it's always going to be a grind. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to grind, then it's not going to be for you. Yeah. Because, you know, Quincy's documentary on Netflix, mm -hmm. you guys should all watch that. Yeah, man, it tells you the story of how everything was created. All his biggest projects, and it was still a grind. Mm. Even after Thriller, it was still a grind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, that just goes to show that uh, hard work pays off. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think you hit it out the park, man, with that, because I think that's the, um, you mentioned the lesson to be learned from this podcast. Um, yeah, it's, it's not worth doing anything in life if you hate it, right? right? right. No matter how much money you can make off right. of it. I think everybody who has, who has made a ton of money will tell you that money is not the key to happiness, right? Like every single rich person will say that. Um, but then again, yeah, we're trying to pursue the things that we believe in, the things that we're passionate about. 
hopefully we can live off of that, put a roof over our head, pay our bills, eat yeah, food man. off the table, right? So, um, dude, I appreciate your honesty, dude. I think that's something that um, I can see from, you know, looking at the 5A family and how you guys literally function like a family. I, I, I mean, you know, Justin is, is like your little bro to Demi's like your little sis and you take care of him like that. But then, you know, you, you instill within them like the values of just like, yo, we got to push and grind to make this thing work. You know right. what I mean? Right. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's really dope to see your journey. I mean, like I said, dude, I've known you from childhood years, you know what I mean? And, and like, and like we're still running. Um, right. And it's funny because you say like, you know, you can't see yourself doing anything else. Like, same, same here. I mean, that's why I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah, Running man. in this way. Um, so, dude, man, I appreciate just the pearls of wisdom, man. Just the, um, just how you're grinding, creating dope music. Word. Man, people need to be on the lookout for what's to come. I mean, yeah, from so. Justin Park to Demi to, yeah. you know, some Kinja bangers that might be coming yo, out. Yo, hey, yo, hey. yo, can we talk about that one pro- that uh, <laughs> one, one thing might be happening soon, you know? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know, we'll, we'll we'll let that kind of uh, naturally <laughs> take its legs and have a voice when it comes into fruition. Okay, okay, we'll okay. Show the okay. work. Keep that Show one the under work. Wraps, okay, you know? yeah, we'll start talking about it. And we'll but it um, yeah, man, we appreciate you rolling rolling in. Why we actually rolled into your place? We're over here five A right now. That's why I hear Weird. police sirens and dogs barking. And <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we're not in our home, shoes. but we're mobile now. So shout out downtown. Yeah, shout out downtown for sure. For sure. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me, man. Oh yeah, man, dude. Welcome. That's what it is. Yeah. Thanks for listening, y'all. Peace. 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 Peace.